subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for conversations with veterinarians, oncologists, rehab therapists, and other experts discussing amputation for dogs and cats. Find more info, helpful care tips, and a free gift at tripods.com slash radio. Thank you for tuning in to Tripod Talk Radio, where we're spreading the word that it's better to hop on three legs than limp on four. Hosted by Jim and Renee and Wyatt Ray of the Tripod Blogs community at tripods.com, Jerry's place for canine amputees and their people. Thank you for tuning in. This is Tripod Talk Radio, and today is Sunday, November 17th, 2013. We are excited to have Dr. Lena McCullough on the line with us from pathwithpaws.com, the popular holistic veterinary care blog where she discusses integrative and holistic methods for treating cancer in dogs and cats, which she has recently compiled into a new book available soon. If you have questions for Dr. McCullough, please call 646-716-5450, or join us in our live chat room now at tripods.com slash chat. Thank you for joining us, Doctor. Hi, thanks for having me. Hi, Dr. McCullough. This is Renee here. It's very nice to meet you. Thanks for being here today. You too. You're welcome. I'm happy to be here. Well, um, yeah, and I know that everybody, our members, are really excited about this because this is such a popular topic in our community. Um, so, So we're always appreciative of more information, um, especially from an expert like yourself. Um, I'd, I'd like to ask you, let's just jump right in. I'd like to ask you, um, can you um, can you describe, or wait, let's see, ah, sorry, first question. Um, how did you decide to focus on holistic care? Um, how did you learn so much about holistic veterinary medicine? Um, I, I, if you could just tell us a little bit about your background and, and what got you into the field. Yeah, definitely. Um, Well, I think where it started was when I was 19, I actually ended up hurting my own back and was told by my Western medicine doctor that I would probably be on painkillers for the rest of my life, which when you're 19 isn't exactly what you want to hear. And about a year into this journey, I met my first chiropractor who was someone who told me for the first time, you will actually get better, which was pretty amazing um, at the time because I was pretty convinced I wasn't going to. And through her work and through some acupuncture work, I was able to get completely better and I'm completely normal today. So that was kind of the start of going, wow, there's something else out there. This is pretty neat. Um, Yeah. And then when I got out of vet school, it's somewhat overwhelming. You have all this Western knowledge that you've just learned. So I spent a few years practicing just Western medicine, but I found that especially with the dogs and cats that had chronic disease and the older guys, we just didn't have great options. You know, you'd get an old dog that had a lot of health issues and you could give them painkillers You could maybe modify food a little bit, but we didn't have a really good solution to how to make them feel better beyond drugs. And so I found that I was sending more and more people to veterinary acupunctures, to holistic vets, um, and I eventually thought, well, yeah, I've got to go do this myself now. I'm sending a third of my older dog clients to the the local acupuncturist, and there's no reason I I shouldn't do this at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. And and did you go to acupuncture school? Where um, where did you get certified? 
I actually was able to get certified through a small school um, right outside of Seattle, Washington, where I live, um, through a teacher named Richard Panzer, who was my favorite veterinary acupuncturist. So I was really excited when I heard that he was starting up a small school. Um, He was actually trained Mm -hmm. in China in veterinary acupuncture, and um, so I was able to do about a year program with him, part of it being more like an internship, so I was able to follow him around, get a lot of, lot of hand-on uh, work, and actually he treated a lot of cancer, which was um, where I first kind of got interested in that. Yeah, and we'll talk about how you, you use acupuncture in your, your cancer patients in, in just a bit. Um, real quick, is it still true that only a veterinarian can perform acupuncture on an animal? I I believe that is still true. I'm not sure if all 50 states are the same. Definitely in Washington where I practice and in most states that I've checked it out, you'd still need to be a veterinarian. It may someday change that we have a certification program where human acupuncturists can take a training to do that also, but at this point it's it's not in place yet. Okay, okay, that's good to know. Um, Now let's, let's talk about your own approach that you've developed when it comes to treating cancer in animals, which um, is the topic we'd like to focus on today. Um, how do, when you see a patient, how do you approach their, their, their treatment and, and everything you're going to do to help them through this, this journey? Well, the first thing is, is kind of finding out from their, their people, mainly, and from seeing them in person, where they're at and what kind of expectations people have, what they're willing to try. Um, the main goal that I have with every animal I work with is just to make them as comfortable and happy for as long as they can be here. Um, I'd rather an animal, a cat or dog, have a shorter time and be very happy and have very good life during that time than have a longer time and maybe go through treatments that aren't going to be the right treatments um, as far as keeping them in a, in a good place. So a lot of it is spending some time at the beginning just sitting down with people, seeing what they want to do, if they're willing to do chemo, if it's a dog that is going to be a good candidate for chemo, oftentimes send them to the oncologist to get some more information on if that's going to be a good method of treating cancer. If we come down to that chemo isn't a good option because of the animal themselves or the cancer, then I usually use kind of a three-system three, uh, approach. So acupuncture is something that I definitely use in almost all the animals I work with and have found to be very effective um, for keeping them comfortable and helping them live longer. I use a lot of herbal supplements. Um, I use a lot more of Chinese herbs probably than anything else and then we shift diet quite a bit, and if I can get animals on homemade diets or on very good commercial diets um, that aren't highly processed, that's something else that we also mm-hmm. use. So you take a, you kind of embrace every everything, really, I mean, as far as Western versus Eastern and all that stuff, and, and you incorporate that into your practice? Is that how it works? I, I actually don't do hardly any Western medicine I, myself, but I work with some some vets that do a lot of chemotherapy, and so we'll work together if that's um, if that's an option that people choose. It's it's so mm-hmm. different, you know. There's some some cancers that are so chemo responsive, like lymphoma, and those are the cancers that I really encourage people to check out chemotherapy as an option. Um, there's other cancers that we don't have good chemos for that we use just holistic medicine and we don't even go into the Western medicine. And then, you know, depending on the animal, too, if I get a two-year-old in that has cancer, 
which I have a dog right now I treated who had cancer at age two and is now in remission. Um, I'm going to send him to chemo because that dog's going to have tons of years, hopefully, of life left, where if I have a 14- or 15-year-old dog that comes in and they're, you know, more towards the end of their life, chemo maybe is not the greatest option, even if they have a cancer that's really responsive. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I can really appreciate how you... Um, you embrace all all types. So, I mean, not necessarily that you practice it personally, but that you won't tell somebody, chemo, bad, <laughs> let's just do it this way. I mean, you're definitely not a, a black and white type of, of vet. And um, I really appreciated that when I was reading through your new book, um, which, by the way, everybody, um, Dr. McCullough has a, a great book um, that she has online right now but is about to release um, as an ebook and print. Is that correct? Hopefully um, it will be in print, too. The ebook will hopefully be coming out in the next six months sometime, and then we'll, we'll uh, look into putting it into a print book, which I hope we get there as well. Great. It is all available online. It will continue to be for free for anyone. Um, I haven't quite figured out the ebook system yet, but I think that will be on a donation basis so that people can access it for free if, if they need to as well. Great. It's, it's going to be so helpful. Um, let's uh, let's go to our next question. Um, when it comes to treating cancer in animals, how does somebody know the right path to take, such as holistic medicine versus conventional or homeopathic versus Chinese medicine? Um, are any of these different types of treatments proven to be more effective than others, uh, or is the success rate strictly on a case-by-case basis? How, how does somebody choose? I think, you know, the first step is being able to find a couple people you really trust and get some feedback from them. Um, with the animals I work with, a lot of times they're seeing me, and then if they can go to an oncologist or a veterinarian that specializes in chemotherapy and just get a lot of information. I don't think there's one right path for any animal, and it comes down to looking at what's out there, deciding what's best, and a lot of times I think reaching into people's hearts and seeing what's really in there. I've had some people that have been through chemotherapy with people and had it gone really poorly, and they just can't imagine putting their animal through that, and other people that have had good experiences or really want to try everything that they can. Um, I, I don't know, you know, Chinese medicine versus homeopathy. I'm not a home, homeopathic um, vet. I know there has been vets that have had success using homeopathic remedies. Personally, I like the Chinese remedies better, um, but a lot of times it's what we're most familiar with, and that's what I've used and seen work, so that's what I work with a lot. Okay, I see. So um, really it's just... Um, People need to kind of answer this for themselves really after looking at their options and, and like you said, finding people that they trust. And and how does somebody go about finding um, these types of, of practitioners? Well, on the Western side, I think oncologists, if you're in a big city, we now have oncologists, I think, in just about any big city. So if you're in a big city or close to it, that would be a good place to find an oncologist. The vet schools all have oncology departments as well. So on the western side, that would be where to look. 
Um, the holistic medicine side is a little harder. Our community is a lot smaller than I think we we wish it was. Um, it can be very hard even in big cities sometimes to find holistic vets. I know with my own practice I end up being full a good part of the year, and it's really hard having to say, I wish I could take you, but I just don't have any room in my practice right now. But there is, you know, holistic vets out there, um, and there is some sources to be able to find them. IVIS.org, which is the International Veterinary Acupuncture Society, has a great list of veterinary acupuncturists all over the world, so that's a place to look. Um, There's a Veterinary Botanical Medicine Association that I'm a member of, and that has many really wonderful herbalists, so that would be another resource to look. And then I encourage people to just kind of ask around. A lot of times if you go into the local pet store or you meet someone at the dog park, um, really the dog community is great at sharing information. So if there is a good vet out there, that's oftentimes where you where you find out is from other uh, dog people or cat people. Mm-hmm. Cat people don't get out quite as much, but mm-hmm. The, mm-hmm. the dog people definitely are. And and what is the uh, the website address for that second association that you were talking about, the botanical one? Um, let me. I should know that offhand. I believe oh, that's okay. it's uh, VBMA. I think it's a dot org also, but I'm not positive. But if you put in Veterinary Botanical Medical Association, it should come up. Good to know. We we have a resources page that has um, quite a few of them, but I don't think we have that one on there. So thanks for that information. Um, now, now, when it comes to um, advising your clients, um, what do you say to somebody who wants to try everything? They go to you and they want to do everything it takes. What do you say to that? Are they helping or are they making things worse? By um, because you know, a lot of people get overwhelmed and, and they they just throw every supplement into the mix. And um, how do you kind of guide them um, when they have this? Um, go get them kind of kind of attitude. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's hard, you know, with the internet. There's so much information out there, and I've definitely had people mm-hmm. come in um, with the giant grocery bag, and they start pulling out bottle after bottle, and before you know it, there's 50 bottles lined up on the floor. And wow. the main complaint they have is my dog isn't eating. And the first thing I do is say, okay. Let's pull away everything but usually like two of these, or sometimes we pull everything away and and get their dog eating first. Um, And then we go back and decide what we're going to actually add. I think there's nothing wrong with going out there getting all that information, but using too many supplements, oftentimes you end up filling up the the body with supplements and not food. And when it comes right down to it, food's going to be most important. The Chinese say that if you don't eat well and you don't sleep well, you're not going to get better no matter what's wrong with you. So eating comes first. The other thing I always tell people is pick someone to be in charge. And that can be me if I'm working with an animal. It can be the oncologist. Sometimes when I'm working with an animal, the oncologist is the person in charge, and they just come in and say the oncologist said we need to work on eating, we need to work on blood cell counts, and I do that part, but the oncologist is actually in charge of the case. And in some cases, it may be the the animal's um, human companion that's in charge, but you need someone in charge that says, okay, we're not going to do too much. We're going to pick some really good things that we think are going to work. And with my own animals I work with, um, usually I tell people that we don't do more than five supplements. So we really have to pick what are going to be the best ones. And I don't include food-grade things in that. So if people want to cook up some mushrooms and throw them in, that isn't in the five, or put some broccoli in the food. 
um, or add fish oil to the homemade food that they're making. But as far as actual pills we or powders even, we don't want to do too much. I, you know, I never thought that supplements could um, fill you up, but that makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, mean, I mean, and we see a lot of people whose, whose animals will stop eating, um, and um, and they have a really hard time getting them getting them started again. Um, so you're saying that supplements can can often take away the the appetite. Yeah, I mean, literally, some of these people are giving their dogs a hundred pills a day, and oh that's gosh. a lot. Um, mm-hmm. And you know, definitely, what happens sometimes too, I think, is people think that things that are natural are all good, and Many of the cancer-fighting herbs and supplements we use are very safe, but there's other ones that aren't as safe. And then there's some interactions between them. Sometimes it's positive, sometimes it's not as positive. And sometimes you're actually kind of countering the effect of one supplement with the other. So there is some science to it. Sometimes just throwing everything that could potentially help with cancer is is not the best approach. That's awesome advice. Thank you. Um, now let's get into some specifics here. Um, we have a, a lot of members who are affected by osteosarcoma, um, mast cell cancers, and soft tissue sarcomas. Um, can you tell us a little bit about how you would approach each type of condition, say from, from diagnosis through, like if it's osteosarcoma, through development of lung metastasis? I know this is a big topic and you address a lot of it, all of it really, in your, your e-book, but... Um, Maybe you could just kind of give us some highlights of, of how you would approach it as a holistic practitioner. Certainly, yeah. So let's start, I guess, with osteosarcoma, which is the one that you probably see the most on your blog and, and I probably mm-hmm. see the most out of those cancers too. Um, with osteosarcoma, people are actually surprised when they come in because the first thing I usually recommend is amputation. And if there's cost issues, I usually recommend amputation above everything else. And people are surprised to come into a holistic vet and be told that they should go back and do an amputation that their vet's generally recommended. But it is such a painful cancer, as I know you know and members of your community know as well, that for me, taking care of that pain is probably the most important thing. And then after that, we can worry about the the lung mets and everything else, but getting rid of that pain. And I think, you know, people are surprised how much better their animal, um, dog or cat, feels after they've actually gotten rid of the primary tumor, which a lot of times people don't realize how much pain is actually involved with it. And then after they've amputated, if that's a possibility, then the main approach is trying to prevent lung mets. And there's some herbs I've found that can be really helpful with that. I find that acupuncture is actually extremely helpful um, the first osteosarcoma dog I treated was a dog named Maggie, who I met within my first year of doing acupuncture, and she actually lived five years and died of wow. something unrelated to her cancer when she was 12 years old. Um, it was just an incredible teacher in in what dogs can do and how much they can live with cancer. Um, so wow. that's kind of yeah. She was she was very cool, very very happy golden retriever. Um, oh, yeah, if everyone's dog could live to be that long after a diagnosis, that's, that's wonderful. I know. It, it was amazing. I mean, we, we got to two years and we had the conversation about, well, we should probably, we don't have to do as much acupuncture now, and we actually kind of moved it from every week to once a month because she had some mobility issues. But um, there was a little bit of caution there going, should we really do that? And she did did great, so it was fine. Um 
mast cell tumors, there's the three grades. Most of what we see is grade one and two. Um, osteosarcoma, I guess I should add, is more of an inflammatory cancer. So some of the herbs we use treat more of what we would call a damp heat or inflammatory cancer in Chinese medicine, um, which is more related to inflammation. Mast cell tumors are generally more of a blood flow issue cancer. So the lower grade mast cell tumors often occur in animals that have some issues with kind of sluggish blood flow. Um, out to their skin where you see most of the mast cell tumors, and it makes it so their immune system, which is supposed to be going out there and taking care of the cancer cells, isn't able to get there. So um, with mast cell cancers, because they are slow to met and it's usually a good option to remove them, I oftentimes recommend that people remove the primary tumors, but then a lot of times animals that are prone to mast cell cancers will get more of them. So then our approach is more in using herbs that help with blood flow to the skin um, to prevent more mast cell tumors from occurring. And then the soft tissue sarcomas that you mentioned, and I'm thinking in my head like squamous cell and fibrosarcoma, which we Uh definitely see a lot of in cats as well, are interesting tumors because they're locally invasive, but they tend to not spread. So those are tumors that once again if we can get the primary tumor off or if we can do an amputation, oftentimes we don't have to do anything else with those cats and dogs. If we can't get the primary tumors removed, then it becomes similar to osteosarcoma where we're trying to treat pain, um, Mm -hmm. which acupuncture can be very good at, and there's some herbs that can come in and slow cancers down. And those are also kind of inflammatory cancers similar to the osteosarcomas. And the the herbs that um, would work to slow the cancers down. Um, you have all of those mentioned in your book, correct? Mm-hmm. They're, they're all mentioned in the book. And the the one thing I should say, too, is there's many herbal formulas that will work to treat cancers. So if people find a holistic vet to work with, they may not recommend the same formulas that I recommend, and it doesn't necessarily mean they they won't work. I just recommend the things that I've seen work the best in my own practice. And so the the herbals that I use for osteosarcoma and for some of the soft tissue sarcomas are very similar, and then the ones I use for mast cell tumors tend to be quite different because we're working more with um, blood flow and immune system. Actually, all the formulas I work with, we're working with immune system, so we're always boosting the immune system, and then we're also doing some herbs that actually treat the cancer and induce cancer cells to kill themselves or make it so cancer cells have a hard time getting blood supply. With herbal medicine, we're oftentimes using a bunch of herbs in combination with the idea of making the environment for cancer really difficult. So we're not necessarily killing off all the cancer like in chemo. We're trying to more wear it out and keep the animals, the cats and the dogs, as healthy as we can in that process. I love that approach. I just, I've, I've never heard it worded quite like that, but um, that seems to make a lot of sense. And um, I thank you for explaining that. Um, you know, we have a lot of feline members who have joined us recently. We've had three cats who have been diagnosed with osteosarcoma. Um, our first one who joined us last year, her vet didn't even recommend chemo because it showed up in the cat's toe and the vet took the toe and said, don't worry about it, it never comes back in cats. Well, it came back in that same leg, so the, mm-hmm. the cat's leg was amputated. Um, and and so far, and this is Jill, everybody knows Jill, and, and Jill is doing great. It's been almost a year, no signs of, of further cancer, but 
recently there was a cat who actually passed away from metastasis. And um, she had she had the lung mass and the osteosarcoma. We were just floored. We couldn't believe it. And so was her vet. Um, so, you know, a lot of vets, um, uh, traditional vets, um, they... Um, they don't recommend any further treatment at all. They say, go home, your cat will be fine. It's so rare, don't even worry about it. Um, I'd like to know how you as a holistic practitioner um, will treat cats with osteosarcoma. Um, what types of herbs and, and treatments do you use? And are they the same that you would use with a dog? So I actually, I guess I've been lucky enough to not have a, have a cat with osteosarcoma that's crossed my path. I, I wish we weren't seeing any osteosarcoma in cats mm-hmm. because it is pretty pretty rare, but it is, you know, I think there is even in cats that potential for, for medding to the lungs, which obviously the, the kitty that was in your community um, had that happen. Cats are a little different than dogs in that they don't like being medicated. A lot of times it becomes a huge stress trying to chase them around the house, putting something down their throat, and then they tend to react to both drugs and herbals a lot differently than dogs. So I feel like in cats, you get at most three things, sometimes less, and they're more prone to get vomiting from things and other health issues. So with cats, a lot of times I will do some acupuncture, and then I will choose maybe one or two herbals that we use. Um, with osteosarcoma, I would be very tempted in a cat to use an herbal I use to control lung mets called Sanshidan Chanbaye, Um which I've found to be very to- tolerated very well in cats. It's a sweet liquid. It's very cheap. It's easy to use. So that would probably be something I would do with a with a kitty if they came to me diagnosed with osteosarcoma, and then maybe do acupuncture. It depends if we had a primary tumor that we couldn't remove or not. Um, but maybe more like once a month in kitties. Sometimes I go a little farther out than I do with the with the dogs that I treat about every two weeks. Mm-hmm. And and I'm really curious how how do cats react to the acupuncture treatments? I mean, you know, do how do you get them to relax and do they re- react the same way that a dog would? Cats actually seem to love acupuncture. Um, the really? cats that come in are very skeptical. They're not happy to be at my clinic. They sit on the couch. We put acupuncture needles in. Most cats will get this this look of complete bliss, and by the time you go to take the needles out, you cannot get them off the couch. They're clinging to the couch. They don't want to go back in the carrier. I have cats that come in, and they jump on the couch after a treatment or two, and they set themselves up, and they put their back to me, and they're like, we want our acupuncture. This is great. Um, yeah. I think they're such energetic creatures. They get that it makes it, them feel better. They get that it's not something that we're forcing down their throat. They get to sit on the couch and be king of the clinic for the half hour to hour that they're here. So cats are actually quite lovely to treat. That's wonderful. That is really cool to hear. Um, I'm gonna. We have just a couple of minutes, so I'm gonna ask you a couple of questions from our members. Um, the sure. first one is from Jess, and um, unfortunately, Jess's dog Athena has recently been. Um, diagnosed with lung metastasis because of osteo. And Jess asks, regarding supplements and or traditional drugs, what might help a dog whose metastatic lung tumors have started to affect her breathing? Um, And Athena has one large tumor at 8 centimeters and about three 2 to 3 centimeter tumors that were not visible on radiographs just three months ago. 
Yeah, the lung mats are so difficult, and I I hate when when that ends up being such a such a big issue that they're having problems mm-hmm. with breathing. Um, a supplement I really like, or I guess I should say herbal, is called um, Shao Chai Hutong, and that works quite well with both the more inflammatory cancers like osteo and then some of the more blood stasis cancers like the mast cell tumors. Acupuncture I've found to be actually quite effective with helping with breathing in that case. Um, Sun Chi Dan, uh, Sun Baie, which is the one I just mentioned for cats, is also a very good supplement for lung mets. And usually what you're doing is slowing them down. So it's very hard herbally to actually completely reverse lung mets, but for me, slowing them down, helping them to breathe better, helping them to be more comfortable. I had a dog I treated that came to me with lung mets. We did um, a few herbals, and he actually went on to live 22 months with active lung mets during that whole time. They never disappeared, but he kept in really good health and really good happiness during that time. So there is ways to slow them down, um, but you're Mm -hmm. probably not going to actually reverse them. Can they take those supplements during um, metronomic chemotherapy if, if their if their oncologist um, says it's okay? I mean, is that something that can be combined? Yes, definitely you can combine them. And the studies have actually shown, um, there's not very many studies that have been done, but the studies that have been done have shown that antioxidants and herbals are very safe to use with chemo. They do not make it less effective, and they actually support the patient as far as immune system and um, how well they're feeling during that process. That is really great to know. Dr. McCullough, we uh, are just about out of time. I'd like to thank you so much for being here today. We really, really appreciate it. And uh, everybody, um, please check out her website, pathwithpause.com. She has an incredible section in there called Cancer Care, and click on that, and you will get so much information. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, Renee. Until next time on Tripod Talk Radio, learn more about canine amputation recovery and find the best gear for three-legged dogs at tripods.com. Thank you for tuning in. Subscribe to Tripod Talk Radio for more pet amputation tips from experts and claim your free gift just for listeners at downloads.tripods.com slash podcast.